Hey, thanks for being a part of the conversation. This is Play It Forward. Real people, real stories. The struggle to play it forward. Episode number 608 is with Cliff Nesteroff, the author of Outrageous. Good, Arrow. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. What an amazing reminder to so many of us that have that have lived out this whole entire entertainment cultural war. And it also serves as a free ticket to people who need to know where we've been before. I just love the way that you have pieced this all together. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Where where did you go to find it? Because, I mean, first of all, my dad was so in love with Mae West, but I didn't realize mm. the rest of the nation was was going, hey, look, something wasn't right here. Well, one of the reasons Mae West was so popular was because she was expressing sexuality in an era when you just didn't do that. So she was a big star, first in vaudeville, then on Broadway in the 1920s, a big star in movies in the 1930s. And those film clips are what she's best remembered for. And in the late 30s, she was a scandal on radio. And she lived a very, very long time. She was sort of a elder statesman by the early 1970s, an icon of old Hollywood and was embraced by, uh, you know, old film fans who would venture over to her apartment and try to get interviews. But as often happens in our culture, the sort of groundbreaker who was considered salacious when they were young got more conservative as she got older and she believed Hollywood had gotten too filthy, too, mm. too dirty by the 1970s. And she was complaining about it. She said, I don't like dirty jokes. I don't like to hear cuss words in my present, wow. in my presence. But in the 1920s and 30s, she was being condemned as the scourge of America. And in fact, she wrote a play for Broadway called Sex, which was raided by the Vice Squad in New York Everybody involved with the play was arrested. Mae West, the entire cast, the lighting director, the stage manager, everybody was arrested. There was a massive obscenity trial. Mae West was convicted on obscenity charges and spent 10 days in a prison workhouse as a result. So when we hear about comedians today being canceled or how you can't say anything anymore, we need to look to the past to people like Mae West who really did pay the price. She went to prison, and by today's standards, the things that she said were so innocuous. She didn't say or do anything sexually graphic. It was all innuendo yep. and all delivered in that sultry delivery. And everything she said in that voice sounded <laughs> sort of dirty, even when it wasn't. And people went crazy over that. And it made her a big star. You know, She had a huge fan base who loved that, but she had hundreds, perhaps thousands of detractors, especially those who were uh, extremely religious. See, you talk about the comedians, and right away I shot uh, into the area of Elvis Presley on Milton Burrow and, and even, you know, I mean, all the other shows that he was on, because if it wasn't for Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson couldn't have done what he did, and nor could have NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, shaking those hips and putting that body into those motions. Yeah, of course, and the Beatles as well. Yes. There was a huge hysteria over them, so... And and also uh, black artists, you know, Chuck Berry and uh, and Bo Diddley. There was a famous incident. Bo Diddley did the Ed Sullivan show very early on. They banned him. They never had him on again. They didn't consider it music. They just thought it was noise. And if you go back and watch that performance, it's incredible. His guitar sounds very, very modern. Um, but yeah, that was a very, very common refrain. Um, part of the problem was the effect that this music had on young girls yeah. and their parents really saw this 
as a expression of immoral sexuality, especially when you see the, the Beatles footage of just hundreds of girls screaming through the whole song. They're not even listening to the music. They're just screaming and crying. I can kind of understand why the older generation was suddenly terrified of uh, the ramifications of it. The John Birch Society had a guy named David A. Nobel. He's still alive. He wrote a quite unintentionally hilarious book, I think in 1964 or 65, called Communism, Hypnotism, and the Beatles. And this book uh, (laughs) claimed that the Beatles were a Soviet conspiracy sent over to America to help destabilize American youth so that they would be ripe for communist takeover. This guy actually (laughs) believed it. (laughs) But at the same time, when you see all those young girls screaming and crying and fainting, I could sort of understand how that might be scary to their parents. One of the things that I've become addicted to is Antenna TV, like Wii TV and things like that. And I, mm-hmm. and I see a lot of things, even on Bachelor Father, that I'm going, how did they get away with that? Because we couldn't get away <laughs> with it today. Well, uh, you and every other person is always bringing up Bachelor Father. See, because but... it, was, it was crazy. <laughs> That guy, the, the the actor who played the uh, manservant on Bachelor Father, yes. I think his name was Sammy. Uh, I forget Sammy's last name, but his first name was spelled like S-A-M-M-E-E. Sammy Tong, I think was his name. He, uh, he was in trouble with the mafia. He actually committed suicide because his gambling debts were so astronomical and he owed mobster bookies hundreds of thousands of dollars that he would never be able to pay him. So he ended up committing suicide. So there's always the dark underbelly to these sort of squeaky clean sitcoms of that era. Bachelor Father, for people that don't remember, is a very sanitized black and white sitcom. It's sort of like that father knows best yep. sort of uh, genre. Um, and yeah, I'm sure there's things in there that would not be permissible today. And Sammy Tong was the Asian manservant. And so a lot of the jokes are sort of at his expense, although they did portray him as a real human being, not a strict stereotype. However, whenever there was an Asian character of any kind in TV shows and movies, they always play that uh, mm-hmm. that cliche entrance music. And uh, there were jokes or references to chopsticks, you know, it was frequent. I guess the Mickey Rooney breakfast at Tiffany's example is the the greatest stereotype example. But also there were cartoons where the Flintstones went Mm -hmm. and took karate lessons. The guys got buck teeth and big glasses and all that stuff. But uh, and that stuff re-ran all through my youth in the 1980s and well through the 1990s. At the same time, blackface stereotypes had already been eliminated from television Others lived on uh, for a long, long time. So that type of thing, yeah, is not really as permissible today, especially when it comes to racial stereotypes, bigotry, or things that are perceived as bigotry. Those are sort of the big uh, modern taboos. Have you been invited by Netflix or Hulu to turn this into a gigantic multiple episode situation? Because I want to see this. I want to hear it. I want to, you know, I want to see moving pictures. I mean, you, 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 you've planted the seed of something that we need. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, no, I haven't talked to anybody yet. But when my first book, The Comedians, came out, I did have those types of meetings with Netflix and FX and AMC. And every single person that I had a meeting with two years later got in trouble with some sort of Me Too scandal. So I'm looking forward (laughs) to revisiting such a project 
with all the new young people that have been hired to replace all those people who got fired back in 2015. Oh, my God. You got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Thank you so much, Arrow. Well, you be brilliant today, okay? All right. Thank you. You too.